podcast of Dawn's House because what the world needs most right now is a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. I'm Esther. I'm Karen. And I'm Aoife. Today we're talking about Babysitter's Club number 14, Hello Mallory, mm-hmm. which I did remember a few details from having read this originally. Mm. I remembered that this was when Mallory joins. Uh, she overdresses for the Babysitter's Club meeting and someone says she looks like a valentine. Um, <laughs> I remembered they made her draw a digestive system. And yes. There was confusion about soy formula versus soy sauce. And <laughs> also that um, this was the one where Jesse arrived and everyone was terrible. But I didn't really quite fully remember just how terrible everyone is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> what about you, Aoife? Did you, um, did you read this back in the day or something? Yeah, I remembered. I'm si- kind of similar to Esther there. I remembered certain things really well. Mm-hmm. I certainly did not remember... I didn't remember that the townsfolk in general were racist to their family. Mm-hmm. I remembered the kids at school, that the, the only specific, as I read it, a lot of stuff came flooding back, but the only specifics I remember beforehand, obviously, were Mallory is in it, Jessie's a new girl, um, they give Mallory an impossible test that they had to look up all the answers on. <laughs> yes. yes. They, yep. they didn't know, they took them ages to make this test because they had to look up stuff that they could ask. <laughs> I remembered one of the questions was about creeping versus crawling. Um, <laughs> and I remembered that one of the girls in school being mean had speculated that Jessie's real name might be Mumbabwe. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Which was just, yeah, I, 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 I think I just remembered that because it sounded unusual. I remember actually sounding it out of what, what, you know, what did she mm-hmm. actually say? Mm-hmm. Oh, she's, she, oh, I wonder if she's really from Africa. Cause I also remember thinking, what a bizarre thing to think. You know, you live in a country that has a lot of black people in it. Why would you think <laughs> she was African? That is weird. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I remember, I remember thinking that like living in my pasty white Irish town and like having like seen two black people in my life, you know, and, but knowing that. There are lots of black people in America. Yeah. I've, I've seen television. America has <laughs> yeah. black people in it. Why would she not be American, you weirdo? America yeah. is not like Lusk. Yes. <laughs> in so many ways, America is not like Lusk. What about you, Karen? I didn't remember that it all happened in this book. A lot of the books have sort of glommed together in my memory. Um, but when I started reading it, I was like, oh gosh, yeah, okay. It was all kind of flooding back to me. Um, I, d- I remember the, uh, many injustices that Mallory <laughs> suffers and the digestive system diagram and all that, <laughs> that bullshit. Um, and I remembered a lot about this, I kind of Jesse's arrival in, in the whole series, which I had, uh, not realized was necessarily going to be here. Um, and I sort of, uh, remembered people being generally sort of neglectful to the family and not being as welcoming as they could. I think I didn't maybe, if I got how awful they were at the time, I think it maybe had sort of faded by the time I read this, but yeah, uh, like rereading, it was like, Oh my God, this is the worst. Um, but I very clearly remembered the bit where, um, Mallory is taking Jessie back to her house to introduce her to her family. And they have an encounter with her younger sister, Claire. Um, and I remembered the details of that, instant sharply um because i i realized like that that was like unspeakably terrible and potentially just very embarrassing for everybody involved yeah um uh, and i was like oh god oh god <laughs> that still kind of brings me out in a cold sweat kind of um i don't know why that stuck with me i think just because it's so mortifying um yeah i think we might as well describe it uh yeah yeah mallory brings her over and claire 
starts to ask Jesse if she's come to clean the house mm-hmm. because the only other times they've had a black person has been when her mom hired a cleaner. Mm-hmm. And Mallory like realizes what she's about to say and like And she like interrupts her in time. Uh yeah. yeah. It's yeah. it's excruciating. It really is. Um, I didn't remember. It was one of those things that came right back to me as mm-hmm. soon as I started to read. It was like, oh, this is where Claire... Yeah. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So um, to give a brief summary, uh, Mallory is joining the BSC. Um, she also meets Jesse, who's new at her school. Mallory is desperate for a best friend and decides Jesse's going to be it. Mm-hmm. Uh, turns out they hit it off after all. Turns out almost everyone else in the town is a disgusting racist. Mm. Uh, but the girls of the Babysitter's Club are okay, except that they make Mallory do a bullshit test to be allowed to join the Babysitter's Club, which is totally unfair. And then eventually they realize that actually they really desperately need another babysitter. So they admit they were wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that's... that's a- oh, and Jesse joins the club as well. Yes. Because yes. yeah. Mallory says she'll only join if, if she can bring Jesse along. And they're like, so, cool. Uh, what I think is actually quite good is Mallory does an awful lot of actually standing up for rights in this book. Yes, um, it, yeah. like, so uh, she sort of protests the um, the bullshit test that they make her do. Yeah. Um, and she she generally sort of argues that they're being unfair to her um, in a way that I think I would have been pretty intimidated by because there's like four older girls and yeah. she's the younger one. And she is clearly intimidated by them. She's dressed yeah. up them being like she's, it's actually really kind of wild seeing them from, from her perspective. But yes, yeah. I really she enjoyed is that. intimidated, but mm-hmm. she does it anyway, which is really mm-hmm. yeah. well done, Mallory. <laughs> yes, it's like Senpai noticed me and Senpai is full of shit right now. Uh, yeah. And um, she she storms out of the meeting after um, she they uh, conclude she concludes that the the test was bullshit. And I was like, this is entirely the correct reaction. Good for you, Mallory. Yeah. Um, and so then she and Jesse go off, and which I quite like. They form their own babysitters club based yes. on the same model called Kids Incorporated. I think, which is a pretty yeah. good um, good name. A good name, given that. Not only are they good at taking care of kids, but they're also children, really. They're, <laughs> they're 11. Uh, they're yeah. 11. Yeah. Um, and they get a few jobs and they do pretty okay. And the Babysitter's Club are like, oh, oh God, oh no, this is bad. <laughs> I think they, they only get jobs looking after their own families too. Yeah, yeah. nobody else calls. But the Pikes are pretty good customers. Yes. <laughs> they're like, oh my God, the, the Pikes are our main customers. Ah, they can't be stealing all this work off. The-. And Mrs. Pike is like, oh, duh, of course I'm going to hire my own daughter to do, to do yeah. this stuff yeah. um so yes and then they eventually um they apologize sorry the babysitter's club apologize uh, and mallory insists that yes jesse has to come along as part of the thing and they're like wait two two junior babysitters for the price of one um Yay, the end so yeah um in the meantime, yeah, we're like seeing a lot of like Jesse's adjustment to the town. Well, actually, I was going to say, sorry, because you were talking about mm-hmm. Mallory standing up for things and, and oh, yeah. rights and stuff. And I actually, what I was thinking of as well as obviously standing up for herself and the unfair bullshit the Babysitter's Club were putting her through mm. was uh, right at the start after Jesse shut up at school and everyone is being a super racist about her at lunch. She yeah. calls yeah, the so people bad. she's with on that and, mm-hmm. you know... Yeah, yeah. one of them says, like, she obviously doesn't belong here because she's black. And Mallory's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Although like, she then also doesn't quite have the nerve to, like, get up and leave, which she wants to. I think it's... it's I was impressed by, like, there's a an, an impressive amount of nuance in how Mallory is aware that all of this is terrible and wrong. 
and she does try to stand up for it, but she mm. does also she's obviously never done this before and doesn't yeah. really know how and she mm-hmm. she does kind of back down from being as confrontational as she could be. Mm-hmm. Um which I think is realistic. Like yeah. she's like she's not had to do it before and, she and she's never had to think about any of this before hasn't like read captain awkward's hints for things to say in these situations exactly she doesn't <laughs> have like tumblr that. she doesn't have to exactly yeah and like she's she's kind of trying to convince herself i think that people aren't really that bad yeah uh yeah. like she's sort of a couple of times she's kind of saying you know maybe they didn't mean it quite that badly but mumble mumble mm. mumble um which i think is it's a it's a good portrayal of a white ally who means well and isn't quite fully clued in on everything. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I have a few sort of conflicts in my mind about this book. Yeah. Um, so like, I think on the one hand, it sort of quite effectively explained this sort of small town racism to me as a, um, a white kid growing up um, and sort of just gave, so it was, it was probably a good decision to give this from Mallory's perspective. Yeah. Because I, I feel slightly uncomfortable by, uh, about certain things that happen in the book. Um, I think would probably have been worse if it was Jesse that was actually giving this. Yeah. So the fact that it's a, um, it's written by a person who is also white. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I don't know how accurate of a, de- Depiction. This is of um, Jesse and her family sort of reaction. There are times when it's like they're very accepting about the bullshit that they're being put through, which is really saddening in a yeah. way. Um, but like also possibly quite realistic, like kind of in a pick your battles. Yeah, like they so, know this is what it's going to be like. So um, yeah, and I mean also because it's it's Mallory's POV, we're probably they're not. Giving Mallory the full rant. No, no, no they're probably not. No, because they, anyway, Jesse has only just met just Mallory met and she's, and- she's very reluctant to even talk about yeah. the stuff until she knows her a little bit better. Yeah, which is um, reasonable, which is fair. Yeah. Um, so it's just, uh, and, and just the, <laughs> the whole, the other thing that I found a little bit tricky is that, so we have this whole situation with Mallory where the babysitters club are treating her unfairly. Um, yeah. in sort of making her jump through a ridiculous number of hoops to try and get into the club. Um, but that is sort of juxtaposed against Jesse's experience of yeah. systemic racism. racism. And she's like, oh my God, I know what you're going through because these <laughs> girls I know are being kind of mean to me. And I'm, yeah, they complained oh. I didn't draw a gallbladder or whatever. <laughs> to be fair, they, they don't ever have Mallory do that. No, she never explicitly says it, but it's, it's implied that like these things are thematically resonant or whatever. And like, they're not the same thing. They're really not the same thing. So just aspects of it, I think are, they, they, a a black author would probably have done this differently. Um, but at this, I mean, maybe it's quite a good kind of specimen of what it is for the time that it comes from and explaining things to a probably largely white audience, I guess. guess, Um, I mean, for like, here's, Stuff that happens that you should know about. I mean, it feels in that way to me, like the description of Hanukkah in the last <laughs> book. Like, 
hey, white people, guess what a thing is? Right. Oh, this one's a bad one, okay? Um, yeah. um, I bet you didn't know people are racist. Yes, please don't compare Hanukkah to the horrors of racism. No, 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 no. But in, in terms of, hey, I bet you don't know anything about this. Yeah. A mm. uh, sort of patronizing, explainy thing, which I think was pretty normal for Kidlet that dealt with the like of that at the time. Yeah, I, I mean, mm. this definitely reads like a book that's aimed at white kids who need to learn that racism this is a thing is, rather exists. than black kids who already know plenty about it. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's true. As an example of that, like, I don't think any of us know enough to really be able to assess how realistic the details are here. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, exactly true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just don't, honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, none of us come from that kind of. Um, yeah, yeah. Not only are not only have we not experienced racism, um, <laughs> I, I, I grew. We grew up in an astonishingly universally white country. Um, <laughs> well, Karen did. I didn't. We, no, <laughs> but, yeah, no, totally different though. Totally, totally different. Yeah. And the racism we have in Ireland is different to the racism mm-hmm. in America. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. None of us know if this is what happens when a black family moves to a to a largely white small town. Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah. I, I I just checked before we started recording. I googled. Um, now we don't know where fictional Stony Brook is located, but it's pretty close to Stamford, which is a real place. Um, and uh, uh, but they're largely they went like sixty plus percent Biden this time round, as they should, as they well <laughs> should have done. Um, but two other counties in Connecticut are. are Trump voters, so that's cool. Um, that's a thing that is also the case. So uh, I guess we can assume Stony Brook is in the the bluer part of town. <laughs> uh, it depends how big the county is, I guess. I don't know yeah, if it's commuting distance to uh, to Stamford, but yeah, it's so, an hour from New York. So yeah, I don't know what size the county is. I'm not looking up a map and measuring things for this. <laughs> I just about read the book. Is that not enough for you people? <laughs> Yeah, I think Karen has become the person who does research for this. I know that you actually had to spend a very long time cutting out an awful lot of geography talk from one of these. <laughs> oh yeah, there was a whole thing about the population of Limerick that went on for a long time. <laughs> oh my god, there was. Yeah. There was there was drink taken. <laughs> There's always drink taken. There must have been a lot in this particular one. Anyway, yeah, uh you can you can probably cut most of this out as well. Oh my god, <laughs> we must be we must be such annoying like people to go drinking with. We get drunk, we start getting into in-depth discussions about the population of Limerick. <laughs> Eva, there's a face that I've seen on multiple different people that I've gone drinking with, particularly when I'm with yourself or like a couple of other friends who do this as well, and I can see the face happening and it's like, I'm gonna go to the bar, but if this carries on much longer, I'm gonna start looking for my boss. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, we're we're at this stage of the night, are we? Is it, is this is going to be one of those. <laughs> Moira likes to bring up quite regularly um, a party at which there was a very long conversation about bike safety. <laughs> um, uh, like, oh, yeah, that got really hours, didn't it? <laughs> which I don't remember. I mean, I think I vaguely remember the conversation. I don't remember it going on for quite as long. But she said she left the room and came back about half an hour later, and it was still going on. She's like, and you don't even know a bike. You don't cycle. <laughs> I was I was implicated in this conversation. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Anyway, right. yeah, anyway. I'm sorry. I'll stop talking maps, please. Um, so, okay. So we're just going to, we, we don't know how realistic this portrayal of racism is for several reasons. Basically. Yeah. 
So um, we'll, yes. we'll, we're just going to roll with what's told, what's described to us here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the book is, you know, takes the stance that racism is bad and that you should oppose <laughs> racism when you encounter it. And that people mm-hmm. who seemed nice and normal when you're white might actually turn out to be racist when black people are around. I would say that mm-hmm. if it really wanted to make that point, it would have had someone we already liked be racist and it didn't. No, that's, that is very true. Mm. Uh, there's a sort of general vibe in the neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, of racism. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first thing was, which I was like, wow, that's really blatant, was the teacher didn't introduce <laughs> yes. Jesse. Yes. To, didn't get Jesse to stand up and, you know, introduce yourself to the class. Welcome to the class. And Mallory notices that. Yeah, because one of the boys in the class shoots rubber bands at Jesse. Yeah. Um, and I was like, there's been plenty of well-established teenage boys being gits like in this in these books mm-hmm. before that could just be like, oh, new girl, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on her. But yeah. um Jesse and Mallory both are like, oh no, he's he's picking on her because she's black and they're both both seem to be correct. Um yeah. and then the teacher fails to get her to introduce herself. Yeah. Um, and the teacher also never intervenes in the rubber band thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like eventually he gets bored and stops doing it and Mallory's like, Yeah, things are getting better for you, Jesse and Jesse's like, I guess. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the thing with the teacher is that Mallory remembers a previous new person who the teacher had got to stand up. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's just real blatant right there. Yep. Real mm-hmm. blatant. Real yep. fucking blatant. Also, yeah, Jesse, Jesse's family has moved into Stacy's old house. And somebody remembers that when Stacy moved in, some local lady from like the residents association came by with like a welcome basket for them and like loads of vouchers and stuff and like, maps to the neighborhood and things like that and uh mm-hmm. surprise surprise she did not turn up to jesse's family um and mallory is like can it be maybe but can it but yes definitely mallory it definitely mm-hmm. is they're yeah. they're just racist and a, a random local child also um wants to come over and play with them yeah um, she and her mother drags her away yeah like, get back you know, in here right now get back in here it's like what yeah yeah i think that that was something that i probably thought when i first read this that's probably exaggerated and that probably doesn't really happen and now i think Mm -hmm. that definitely happens that definitely happens yeah yeah Yeah, i think same i think when i was like 11 or so reading this and i was like huh wild nah yeah Yeah. oh oh, okay and they were like no 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 that that happens yeah that sounds extremely plausible I mean, mm-hmm. and it also really is very, very realistic of Mallory to be like, oh, well, maybe the welcome back and just, you know, didn't come because of other reasons. Like, would it have anything to do with that? Because I think that's such a common thing for white people to assume. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, why are you assuming it's because of race? And it's yeah. like, because it keeps fucking happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. She kind of she wants to believe that everyone is basically nice and is yeah. increasingly confronted with evidence that they aren't. Um, yeah, which she she isn't too resistant to. Like she comes, oh, no. she gets on board with mm-hmm. it fairly quickly. She's like, "Yeah, this is a pattern." Yeah, mm-hmm. there's very little denial. To be fair, and yeah. it, it is kind of understandable. Not even she's not saying, "Oh, you're wrong." It's more just a could that be because Jesse's black? Yeah. It never occurred to me that people would actually be that awful, mm-hmm. as yeah. opposed to, you know, nah. Yeah. Um, and like I said, the real cop-out I think this book took dealing with it was all the, the people 
who are behaving in racist ways to the Ramsey family are not the people we already know and love. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. It, yeah, it definitely would have been more impact if like, it was someone like an existing client or whatever, but also it would have been even more depressing. So it I can understand why she didn't go people. for that. I think she might have introduced a reasonable but not particularly interesting client family in the last mm-hmm. book yeah. or the book before. They weren't super interesting. We didn't have time to fall like to, to become friends mm-hmm. with them and to get to know them properly, but we knew that they existed and that they were decent Stony Brook folks and then have them yeah. mm-hmm. uh, in this. That, that would have been a, a, a better way to handle it, I think, than just like, mm-hmm. there are absolutely, there are Stony Brook's full of racists, but don't worry, no one you know. They're all NPCs, basically. <laughs> yeah. Basically. I think um, there are later books where, like, for example, there's a autistic child um, yeah, who's right. introduced much later on mm-hmm. and actually something similarly local kids and their families being awful is introduced. And I think some of those are actually people that we know or adjacent well, to them anyway. So, yeah. I mean, I know there's a later book, not ton later, a little bit later book where, I don't know, do they just move in to the Babysitter's Club? Do they just start hiring the Babysitter's Club? But like, this family of racists arrived. <laughs> yes, I remember that one, yeah. I never read it, but I've heard about it. I read that one. Um, they, yeah. I read it. I, I've felt at the time that it was deeply unrealistic um in just the the family's like smorgasbord of racist views <laughs> like, um i felt like it would be more targeted towards some group or another i don't know why i thought that at the time um i'm just like because th- i think every type of view seems so wildly irrational to me <laughs> it was like how do you manage to juggle all these competing forms of nonsense um but maybe that maybe that's it like um they're like oh my nice white bread town is when i start looking around actually has people that don't look exactly like me and i'm pissed about it and then it's not just looking i mean like in that book the family are like um suspicious of the pikes because they think they might be catholic because they've got loads of kids (laughs) oh yes (laughs) yeah they just hate everyone basically but like yeah we do have a special racist family introduced yeah (laughs) yes they're in another book they they suddenly um yeah they gave Claudia a hard time and they literally just shut the door and Jesse went sorry I don't need a babysitter yeah yes I remember that one that was it I mean like I said it seemed like a, just a big bunch of random it, racist I, <laughs> unrelated it was, racist views but I mean yeah. I also absolutely believe that there are people who hold all of them so yeah. oh yeah no these days I believe that these I think days. it was when I read it first I was like nah <laughs> I was like people aren't that bad <laughs> yeah oh oh childhood me no they are yeah. uh, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, so I was, I was living in a very multicultural kind of part of the world. Um, and I will not say that there was no racism. Um, but not, just not that kind of thing. Like, yeah. mm. it would have just seemed like a proof of just how limited your worldview was to have held any of these. It was like, oh, come on now. Like, which I suppose is still true. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it just seemed very outside of anything I kind of experienced. Yeah, I just, I, I would have thought it'd be more specific. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we understand. As a child, you assumed racism was you picked one. <laughs> um, I kind of did, like... Um, that race you really hated. <laughs> I think maybe I had encountered people who would have been, had a particular bugbear, um, you know? Is that, a, a, instead of just 
like, yeah, no, I don't think we knew anybody who was like, I will not talk to anyone who's not white. You couldn't live like that. Yeah, you <laughs> like, lived in Hong Kong, that would have been difficult. Yeah. People probably tried to, but I didn't yeah. meet any of those people. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. Like, uh, anyway, yeah, I, I probably, my, my childhood recollection is probably not a good guide to this. You were one white child, not a multicultural babysitter's club, who got to yes. experience the gamut of this. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, um, Anyway, so where are we at? So yeah, there's there's the there's the like overall like wow, Stony Brooks real racist thing of mm-hmm. the neglect Jesse gets in school, or the teachers just aren't mm-hmm. doing the things they would do for other children, like intervening with the rubber bands and that. Where mm-hmm. there's a general air of actually no, there's blatant racist mockery from the girls, mm-hmm. maybe not to her face, but like behind her back. Yeah, and it's just basically school is. However many hours you go to school a day of microaggressions for Jesse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also like Mallory is the only person who's tried to talk to her or anything. Like mm-hmm. they just like she's left to sit on her own in the cafeteria and stuff. Like nobody is assigned to show her around. And yeah. Uh yeah, everyone basically ignores her except for Mallory. Mm-hmm. She would you would think it would probably be more important to assign somebody to kind of help the new kid out when you're like clearly as a teacher, you're gonna be conscious that this child is one of, I think they said there were four or five other black kids in the whole yeah. school. Like, yeah. that, you should be compensating for the fact yep. that she's going to feel like a fish yeah. out of water. Like, I, I wonder, is it just like that it would be the homeroom teacher's job to do this and that homeroom teacher is super racist? Maybe. Like, mm. it's the homeroom teacher who doesn't get her to introduce herself and stuff like that. Yeah. I, or maybe every teacher there is racist, just like the welcome wagon lady is racist and all of the neighbours mm. who came around within the first few days to Stacey's family and didn't bother to the Ramses are racist and I don't know. Or the, or the rest, like the school management may be just kind of apathetic. Like, Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying, that it would be up to the homeroom teacher to do yeah. these things. And if the homeroom teacher doesn't do that, the school management don't realise and they're not going to follow up on that because they just assume. They assume she has her reasons. Mm-hmm. Which are yeah. sucky reasons. So. Yeah, they are. Yeah. I mean, she does have her reasons. <laughs> They're terrible reasons. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's really awful, and it's interesting that she says that her she was she's so depressed by the whole experience that she's had with the school that she doesn't want to. Um, uh, yeah, sorry. She's she's so sort of um, like saddened by the whole experience that she's had with the school that she doesn't want to go to ballet anymore, mm. which is her passion. Yeah. Um, as we see now and in later books and she doesn't want to do classes and her mum was like no you have to do classes no no, that, that, that's not an option you gotta, you gotta not, go do it it's not just that she doesn't want to start classes that she just assumes that if she goes to classes everyone is going to be awful to her she's not going to get any good roles mm-hmm. she's going to be discriminated against there too because it yeah. will be yes. just like it was now and then the classes are in Stamford which yeah. is not Stony Brook yeah. that's what I was thinking where she says she goes to Stamford and she's pleasantly surprised by the school where um they're all like friendly and they're nice to her and they treat her like they treat everybody else and she's and like, like hey you're a girl of ballet that's fantastic that's what we do here basically. yeah and that's one of the things that i noticed as well is that where um when people are nice to any member of the ramsey family they're kind of surprised by it um and yeah which like, is that's like where mallory introduced herself to mrs ramsey which is like oh my god what you do to your your friends, yeah. parents, when you yeah. go over to their house, it's just polite. And she's all like, oh, okay, cool. Um, They're like pleasantly surprised every time someone isn't terrible. I think, which I'm going to go with, imagine that the internal monologue for Mrs. Ramsey there was like, thank God, there's one of them that isn't fucking racist. <laughs> like, if you think of it that way, it's not, I mean, yeah, for maybe for J- Jesse. See, 
Yeah, this is all, they've been in the town for however many weeks and they've just been <laughs> sort of ignored and talked about behind their backs. And that's been it. So I think it's actually quite short of a time period, though. I think it's only about a week. Um, so that's all. Which I think might be why I was like, I sort of hadn't quite realised the impact. Because like, oh, well, they're, they are kind of new still, I suppose. But like, yeah, no, there there's... It is quite clear on a reread that they're being treated very differently yeah. too, um, and that Mallory is deliberately contrasting her against Stacy to sort of hammer home yeah. the fact yeah. that they've had totally different. And, um, and I think if they hadn't done that, I would have been like, I don't know what the big deal is because I have literally never mm-hmm. moved in anywhere and had the neighbors introduce themselves. Yeah, yeah, like that doesn't. Yeah. I, I did move into one place and went around to the neighbors to be like, could I have permission to put up an aerial? And they went, No, we're afraid of radio waves. And I was like. <laughs> isn't how science works and they went no I will ring your landlord did you tell him you were going to do this and I was like well yes obviously I did it's his house but we won't do it because you don't you're not okay with it that's fine but yeah this is fictional small town America people in fictional small town America are supposed to be welcoming yeah coming around with food and stuff exactly casseroles yeah when I moved in here and actually there's loads of casseroles toing and froing between other babysitters club mm. book people in, in other books um when we moved into our estate here um actually the neighbors all came around and introduced themselves which oh, was wow. like, oh it's so nice and, um and so uh i have noticed since then that <laughs> there is a um perceived division in my teeny little cul-de-sac uh which is between the people who own the house and the people mm-hmm. who rent their houses. Mm. And I am one of the few people that will talk to the tenants. It's the, the closest I've got to that kind of small town. Like, this isn't a town. There's about a hundred people living in my estate, Max. <laughs> um, but, and this is, this also is not like the, you know, the equivalent again of like, oh, no, we're, this, is no, this, is, this is, this is just another discussion of this is just petty weird, stuff. weird, petty crap that goes on in places where you live. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, Ireland has some stuff like that, that will just mm-hmm. rise up out of a corner in a conversation that you're having with a perfectly nice person um, who will just say something that's wildly, unconsideredly racist. And you're like, Oh my god! This yep. is, I wasn't yep. expecting this particular yep. thing, but like, yeah, yep. I'm sure we've all got like examples of. Oh yeah, totally. Times that oh, have yeah. happened. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about babysitting. Let's yeah, talk let's, about talk babysitting. About let's talk about this um, power trip. Okay, that the babysitters <laughs> went on. So yes, Christy becomes her worst self. <laughs> How many times have we had to say that, though? In so many different ways. There were so many different worst selves of Christy that we have it's met. That's why we so love her. Um, yeah. This is, this is, so Valerie comes to the first Babysitter's Club meeting. She's extremely excited. She's dressed in her, like, good clothes because she's so excited. She then she mm-hmm. was massively overdressed. And they're really nice to her about it. And she explains that uh, you know, she handled a situation, she, she basically brags to them, which is understandable, that she handled a situation really well, where she mm-hmm. had to mind all of her siblings, except Nikki, because Nikki had just broken his finger by accident in a volleyball game while she was, mm-hmm. she was watching him out in the yard. And rather than being like, well, that seems reasonable, it's a game mm-hmm. of volleyball, I can see how a finger could get broken, uh, they snap on the fact that, uh, I can't remember who it is who says it first to, that, that Nikki oh, broke it's his Christy. finger. It's mm, Nicky broke his finger while Mallory should have been watching him. Mm. And instead of accepting her, no, it happened really suddenly. Mm-hmm. 
um, they decide that this means she needs to be tested and start kind of getting judgy about things and making her feel real nervous. Yeah. Also, it's a, it's a sport. It's a sport. Any form of sport. Yeah, like sports injuries are a known thing. They're, yeah. they're, they occur quite frequently in the sports world, or so I'm told. Um, I mean, Christy in that moment reminded me of all those Irish primary schools who kind of during my time in primary school and just after mm-hmm. started to ban running in the yard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of them, I think, just a lot of schools have random rules about what games were yeah. allowed. But the thing is, Christy isn't even like that when she's babysitting. No, like, no, she's, she's not. not over strict or overprotective or anything yeah she's the sportiest one yeah i think she just sort of sees a chance to lord her extra knowledge over someone and she just runs with it yeah i think the only kind of halfway plausible explanation that we're given in this is that they got had a bad experience with the babysitters agency where Ooh. they um they took on the two babysitters without vetting them oh, uh, yeah. it turned out to be saboteurs and <laughs> agent provocateur my french is so terrible oh my god you chose to say that i know um, so I, I know uh <laughs> but i just wanted to be really dramatic <laughs> it's just more dramatic in french <laughs> They were agent provocateurs and not in the underwear um, uh, <laughs> model type of thing. Uh, yeah, so that, that's what she's saying is that they they were infiltrated and she got burned and she can't allow this to happen again on her watch because she's Christy. Um, and I think what's interesting is that it is Christy that says this and then the other babysitter is like, follow her lead. Yeah, yes. they're like, oh yeah, yeah that happened. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, I could see Christy being sensitive about this. Um, but yes, in typical Christy fashion, she takes it way further than she should have <laughs> yeah. done. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's first that there's this babysitting job she goes on with Claudia. Yes, she has to do a work shadow. Yeah, yeah basically. No, no, except that Claudia is actually the one staring at her and hoping she, and uh, staring at her and making her work. And I think, um, yeah, she's nervous. She does a couple of silly mistakes, like, you know, asks the kids what they want for a snack and then they want like, chocolate and cookies and popsicles or whatever yeah and, she, and then I, I was and then she's like oh let's have apples but there aren't any or whatever and you yeah. know it just really easy things to do and none of it disastrous yeah. um and she recovers yeah. from it and she looks after the kids and it's fine but claudia keeps like rolling her eyes and being like oh my god okay i guess i'll sort out this mess that you've made yeah i'm like oh come on like <laughs> and then like mallory accidentally spills the milk and drops a glass because she's nervous mm-hmm. and stuff and, and claudia's made everything worse it's the observer paradox yeah also, as uh, Mallory points out, Claudia, like, I can't remember the term, uh, gets all up in her grill about um, uh, how she should give the kids only healthy snacks. And Mallory is like, <laughs> your room is literally constructed from junk food. Shut up for <laughs> Oh, I love Mallory's kind of internal monologue during that whole scene. She is getting so annoyed. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> she just, I think she's really getting over her awe of these older Yes. Girls. Real yes. fast. Just, which is good. It's interesting how it plays out, particularly because um, I think Claudia is has sort of taken up the let's judge Mallory thing with the most gusto out of all the, yeah. the babysitters, yeah. except for Christy. Um, but <clears throat> do you remember the whole book with Ashley and where, like, Claude's got a lot of psychological stuff going on about being mm. judged? And I yeah. think she just gets carried away here at having somebody to judge. But Mallory isn't gonna put up with that <laughs> no, and she actually says to her a couple of times like no this is this is particularly unfair coming from yeah. you and also i think like from the last book 
Claudia was so particularly upset about Stacy leaving because Stacy was her best friend, and mm. Mallory is like specifically here as a replacement for Stacy. Yeah. And Claudia is like, you're not as good as Stacy. You're no Stacy. It makes a lot of sense, I think. I bet you're not even diabetic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can just eat my snacks. Like <laughs> makes a lot of sense. And I think, but I, I also think that there's this weird thing where, because Mallory is such a book nerd horse girl, <laughs> like, and Claudia is very much not. Yeah. And that kind of comes through as well, because when Mallory snaps back, Mm-hmm. One of the first things she does, and one of the few kind of actual, that's a little bit personal things she does, is when Claudia uh, says digestive system instead of digestive, she's like, <laughs> it's digestive system. Yes. Yeah. And other, in her head, she's like, oh, yeah, I bet she doesn't even know how to spell it. Or I bet yeah. she doesn't even know what the digestive system is. And specifically, it was Claudia she called out in that line. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think Claudia yeah. is writing her pretty hard. That's, that's if, why, yeah. If, if I was an 11 year, when I was mm-hmm. 11, Oh. If I was married, <laughs> yes. when I was eleven, I would have been a bit like, "Yeah, you can't even fucking spell though." <laughs> if she had like, if, if, if a Claudia had been like that to me, I mean, I me guess. too. And then I would have been like, "Why don't these girls like?" <laughs> yeah, I probably would. No. I, I told them how to spell the word. <laughs> oh no, I wouldn't have told. Her. It would have been in my head, being like, "Okay, you know what? You can be as mean as you like, and yes, I will cry, <laughs> but I'm cleverer than you." So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's see oh. who gets on the table quiz team, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah, there's one of the the bits in the latter half of the. I think they they give her the test, which is like I couldn't, I still couldn't answer the test questions. Oh god, yeah, I want to talk about the test in detail because it's so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, let's do the test. Okay, yeah, have you got the test handy? Yes, I have got the test. Oh. Okay. I love you. They tell her there's going to be an oral component and a drawing component. So they first, <laughs> first of all, um, Christy gives her a little sort of patronizing talk about how it's important to know about psychology and child development. Shut up, you're 13. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And she has to be able to prevent accidents, which like, the definition of an accident is it happens by accident. Like, mm-hmm. I know. So they ask her, when does a baby cut their first tooth? And Mallory says, eight months. Oh, yeah. Um, and Christy is like, wrong. She looked at Marianne. Jot that down. She turned back to me. Oh, it's seven months. Yeah. yeah, like Mallory is literally here cataloging, or Marianne, sorry, is here cataloging Mallory's crimes. And, and, uh, like, and then Mallory says, uh, well, I just said eight months because my sister cut her first teeth at eight months. Uh, and we all remember it. And then you're like, oh, God. So Mallory has... like has babysitting experience on par with everybody else here because she has so many younger siblings yeah and christy just doesn't respond and goes to the next question and it's like this this is so invalidating towards somebody's actual life experience my my experience in terms of babysitting small children even just being in the same room or house as small children is if they are teething their parents will say Oh God, he's teething to you during that first conversation. And it's fine. You'll know. Yep. <laughs> yes, that's true. If, if they're anywhere between four months and two and a half years and they're cranky, they're you just prob- assume they're teething. teething. They're probably teething. <laughs> I mean, like the reason that like this isn't a real obvious question is because baby's teeth were so fucking long. There's a lot of teeth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, like there's a 
a huge range of ages for the first teeth to come through. Like this is this the premise of the question is complete nonsense. This quiz is not fit for purpose. No, exactly. Yes, it's not fit for purpose. Next question there, Esther. Uh next question is (laughs) which teeth come in first? Which uh Mallory gets right and Christy reluctantly grants her that. What was the answer to that? Uh the middle ones on the bottom. It doesn't matter. It though. also completely doesn't matter. Yeah. Like yeah. at no point are you babysitting a baby and you're like, I need to provide some sort of care, but it would be different depending which teeth are coming in first. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This is like the kind of fact that they will put in the baby instruction manuals that you get when you <laughs> yeah. have a baby. But it's more of a, hey, this is an interesting thing you might need to learn. It's not like, oh my God, my child's other tooth came in first. This is a disaster. Oh, no, could you imagine going to the GP with your screaming, red-faced, teething infant being like, yes, yes, but it's it's actually a top incisor. <laughs> Everything's gone wrong. The kid's mouth is upside down. Is my child abnormal? <laughs> That's unusual. Get out of my way to groom. <laughs> Come back when you have a problem. This dental issue <laughs> needs to be resolved in the three hours that your preteen babysitter is in charge. Exactly. This is like... <laughs> the whole thing about how um, oh I've left you the pediatrician's number like <laughs> do not ring the pediatrician I don't want to have to deal with the the babysitter having alerted the pediatrician to some bullshit that she thinks she's detected like, as as an 11 to 13 year old babysitter if something happens and you're not sure you will ring your mother <laughs> yes because yes. I did as a 20 year old babysitter oh, and it wasn't even yeah, that I needed I literally just was like Mom, it's just wind, but she's been screaming for half an hour. Have you got any tips? Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, and, and 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 if it's real bad, you'll ring an ambulance, or your mother will say, "Jesus, ring an ambulance." And we already had that book. That was book number four: How to Ring an Ambulance yeah. for a Kid. <laughs> we already know that. Exactly. They could have just been like, "If something bad happens, who do you ring?" Exactly. That would have been a good question. Like Mallory's already dealt with this in this book. Yes. <laughs> She literally had a kid break a finger on her watch. Anyway. He yeah. was taken to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. Nobody cared what teeth he had. Then they ask her, what's the difference between creeping and crawling? This is such bullshit. I know. Because mm-hmm. I don't care what the baby care manuals call it. Everyone knows what crawling is. It's what people say crawling is. That's how language works. <laughs> anyway. Also, again... This is long-term developmental stuff. It's yeah. like, if the baby doesn't start creeping this afternoon, I need to call medical assistance. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh God, she's on the phone and to the pediatrician like, again. not hitting his milestones. Also, it wasn't even like, the question wasn't even when do these milestones occur generally. Yeah. And also, a lot of babies don't do both. Anyway, yeah. the... Uh, the, the, yeah, that wasn't even it. It was literally, which do you call it? It's like, how is that going to affect you as a babysitter? If you're like, oh yeah, I, 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 oh God, your baby's so active these days. She was crawling all over the living room and the parent is like, actually, she was creeping. I'm never hiring you again. <laughs> that won't happen. I'm sorry, Mrs. Prezioso. I'll leave. Yeah, Mrs. Prezioso, maybe. Maybe, but that, to be honest with you, the club would probably be like, all right, bye. Yeah. Also, she'd ring up next week and pretend it never happened anyway. <laughs> yes. Because she has to go to a basketball game slash sex party. <laughs> In a cocktail dress. Yes. So yeah, clearly what the girls have done is they got like the Britannica encyclopedia entry for mm. babies. Child and development. Or and just pulled out some fun facts. Mm. Um, so this is absolute like nonsense. And mm. Mallory is like wondering what any of this has to do with anything, which is... Do you yeah. know? 
extremely years later. Pertinent. Mm-hmm. Actually, myself on Aoife ran a pub quiz. Oh, we did. Uh, a couple of years in a row, actually, which um, was good crack and actually went pretty well, I thought, in most occasions. Yeah. But um, when we were planning it, uh, we had taken some tips from previous runners of the pub quiz um, or basically had watched them do it and been like, here's what we're not going to do. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you do not do when you're planning a pub quiz is randomly click around Wikipedia and go, oh, that's an interesting fact. I'll ask people about it because people <laughs> yeah. don't know um, so there was one that I went to, which, where there was a, um, there was a round, which was all about phobias and like, oh, what is this particular phobia about? Or what is the name of this particular phobia? And like, they were all far too obscure. And the trouble with a pub quiz is that you have to ask questions that are, um, like not everyone's going to get, but some people might have a chance yeah. of getting, you've not bullshit that, that you've looked up. Yeah, like, you've got to go into, if you're going to ask about obscure phobias, you ask about the obscure phobias that people share around a lot and talk about, like the one from yeah. the number of 13, which I can't remember, but I'd know if I saw it. Oh, yeah. Triskaidekaphobia. Triskaidekaphobia, that's it, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the, the things, the thing is, especially with things like the phobias, uh, the only way you can get them right if they're um not like famous phobias, mm-hmm. uh, and Triskaidekaphobia is famous because it's weird, yeah. and yeah. that's fine, is uh, just comparative linguistics. Yeah, if you know Greek, you're fine. If you don't, or you're fucked. if you don't know Greek, but you're pretty familiar with how a lot of those sound changes worked, yeah, and the Indo-European language family, mm-hmm. then you might be able to guess some of them. But that's a lot I, of background a, reading for a pub quiz. I get a lot of pub <laughs> questions with comparative linguistics, and always have, even before I studied linguistics. I'm just good at spotting cognates, but like, you shouldn't have to do that to win a pub quiz. No, no, that's or true. Or to not be like bored because you don't know any of them at a pub quiz. Because let's face it, the goal is not to win. The goal is to have people not be bored. I mean, sometimes you want to win stuff. Sometimes I, mean, I always want to win a quiz. It's the one thing I get competitive about. Oh, um, yeah. We should have a quiz sometime. But. I find almost always it goes to the oldest or one of the oldest teams that's yes. there because people's general knowledge just gets better you as just, they get older. You just and, sit around <laughs> learning things. A team life. of smart 15-year-olds are probably going to lose because they're like, I don't know who Eminem is. <laughs> it's from before my time. Um, yeah, but anyway, I was sitting in this pub quiz with the, like, trying to identify what coolrophobia is, uh, which, spoiler warning, is the fear of clowns. That's very useful um, to know. Oh, I think I read that on the internet at some stage. I probably wouldn't have guessed it then. I think that was actually the most recognisable of any of the questions. Yeah, that's, going, that's like, crappy. Do you know what these guys have done? They've done a Christie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they have. They've gone and looked up a bunch of stuff which you couldn't actually be expected to know. Yeah. And they've formed a quiz about it and it is bullshit. We did not do that. No, no we didn't. And it took us forever to write our book. Any of our questions, <laughs> except for that we did have a round that was called Greatest Hits of the Internet that was basically just memes 1997 to present. <laughs> and the one thing that I knew was really hard, but if I remembered this just mm-hmm. from my brain, then maybe everyone else would, maybe at least one other person would too, was what mm-hmm. was the misspelling and the URL of the hamster dance? <laughs> hamster with a P. Oh, yes. Yes, correct. Exactly. You see, some people know that. Some people got it. Yeah, that's also one of the most common misspellings of the word hamster, so I'd have guessed it. <laughs> how, how much do you know about potential misspellings of the word hamster? I was super into hamsters as a kid, and, and a lot of people, I had hamster. Okay, so I had a hamster, and some of my friends had hamsters. And I just used to sit around all day misspelling hamster to my heart's content. <laughs> hamsters were five pounds in the pet shop, the nearest pet shop. 
But if you put your two hamsters in a cage together and one of them was a boy and one of them was a girl. <laughs> infinite hamsters. The pet shop would buy the babies back for one pound per baby and the average size of a litter was six. Your parents bought the cage, the bedding and the food. So it was pure profit, baby. <laughs> oh, my God. And oh, my God. Until you suddenly have 10,000 hamsters and you have to release them out the back. No, no, the... the <laughs> Ecological devastation. The pet shop would buy them back. It was fine. The pet shop never failed to buy back a litter. Really? Um, plus, you got to have cute baby. I have no idea how that's placed in business. I probably <laughs> fed the hamsters to the snakes, to be honest with you. But, um... Oh my God. I don't think they actually did that, uh, but that's just actually a, a pound per baby. That would be a pretty expensive yeah. snake dinner. For, <laughs> for the night. Point. And they were um, they were super cute. You got to have baby, cute baby hamsters. Um, no, I was really into hamsters, and so I also had several like pen pals and stuff. And so people would ask me about my hamster and how it was doing, and various Aww. ones that I had, and would almost always misspell it and put a p in it. Oh. I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm picturing your pet shop as being like somewhere out of The Sims where, yes. you know, you can make, you can create a whole garden gnome based economy. Yes. Um, because there is an infinite demand for garden gnomes. <laughs> and if your Sims get really good at making garden gnomes, they start buying them for like 100 quid per gnome. So I just set up like a house that was like a garden gnome making factory at one <laughs> so point. Just like a garden gnome sweatshop? That's amazing. Yes. Like, this is a new way to play The Sims. We made so much money. <laughs> I'm putting The Sims on my PC as soon as we're done playing and we're doing... I have it, The Sims too. We're we're doing this. It takes a while to, to level up because your garden gnomes start out at like four quid each. Yeah, but then as they get first. better... It, it took me kind of a long time. I just used Motherload, okay? I just used Motherload to have infinite money, so I never had to do these things. Yeah, I know. I did that too. I just concentrated on getting the twi- the Sims together in the right romantic <laughs> configurations. That was my main focus. This was more about the journey than the, the payoff, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I think my daughter has a similar thing going on with her Sims. It's like a Thomas Kincaid painting factory they're just they have a row of easels and they're all getting slowly better at painting that's amazing i okay. love it i believe though that like there is an endless market for thomas kincaid paintings yes. in the way that there isn't necessarily in the real world in reality, yeah. <laughs> anyway what happened with what's the other quiz question so we've got through oh yeah the other quiz question is about tourniquets oh yeah oh, yes Fuck. and Mallory is a bit vague on the details of tourniquet practice. And Christy is like, well, I hope you never put a tourniquet on me, <laughs> which is a weird insult. <laughs> so here's the thing about tourniquets, right? At the time that I read this book, maybe not when I read this book, but not long after I read it. So I had this old first aid manual and it explained exactly how tourniquets worked. Within a couple of years of me reading this book, I did a first aid course mm-hmm. and one did never, one did not use a tourniquet. Tourniquets were verboten. They did not happen. Mm-hmm. Don't tourniquet people. That was the bad old days. Apparently they're back now. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Because what I, I understood of it, yeah, it was pretty similar. It was like, you basically only do it if you think that the chance of them dying of to bleeding to death is yeah. more important than the fact that they'll probably lose the lose limb. The limb. Yeah. And like, she didn't ask that. That's no. the question mm-hmm. about a tourniquet. Are, do they have arterial mm-hmm. bleeding? <laughs> I mean, by the, no, actually, even by the time this book, uh, I don't know about the time the book came out, I'd need to look up when mm-hmm. use a tourniquet stopped being a thing for general situations. Mm. Definitely by the time of the 
early to mid 90s when I was being taught basic first aid in Cubs. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the lost 153rd. I, <laughs> we were being told to apply pressure directly to the wound. Maybe they were like, we don't, we find that teaching the scouts how to put tourniquets on each other is a bad idea. Oh, <laughs> so Karen. we just recommend that they don't do it at all. Scouts are 11 plus. We were 8 to 11. We were okay, Cubs. It's it's a bad idea for scouts and it's even worse for cops. <laughs> yeah. We were taught to no, to be honest, I think we were just taught some basic standard here's what yep. first aid is these days. Now maybe they actually just skip tourniquets, but definitely by the time I did I did first a full first aid course when I was fifteen or sixteen in school, mm. we did that in transition year. We you did not do tourniquets. You just apply pressure directly to the wound. Mm-hmm. I'm now doing it on my thigh as though I haven't <laughs> cut or, or a shot or something. You're taking it very calmly. <laughs> I know, yeah, I'm I'm hardcore. <laughs> uh, Apply pressure to the wound and wait for an adult. Apply <laughs> or pressure a to the wound. Or somebody. Scream, you, you there with the red coat, ring nine 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 right now. Yeah, you've got to name a specific person. If you see scream, somebody ring for an ambulance. Nobody, nobody will. will. Um, although oh. the bystander effect is massively overstated, and there's a lot more to Kitty Genovese than is generally known. Yes, don't. Um, yes, Kitty Genovese, like that whole case is. I know. Been very misrepresented by popular media. Extremely misrepresented in popular media. Yes, we've read similar rants about this on the internet. (laughs) Yes, we have. Fuck you, Rorschach. (laughs) So yeah, if somebody is bleeding to death, basically you ask Christy to come solve it for you because Christy's the only person who can be trusted, apparently. (laughs) Oh, Christy, would you come over here, please? You know, that's that's super passive-aggressive when somebody's, like, got arterial bleeding, but I guess you do what you gotta do. I just, I can't be trusted to make this kind of call, so can you get Sam to drop you over in the car? (laughs) I think the, um, I think the main takeaway was that, like, um, Christy asked, when, does, when do you take the tourniquet off? And Mallory was like, guess when the bleeding stopped? And Chris was like, wrong, you don't take it off. You wait for a medical professional to do that. And it's just like, wow. Okay, why, instead of doing this, why didn't you just say all babysitters must be first aid certified and you did go and do that first? Yeah. Shut up. Less opportunity for judging the 11-year-old. Yes, I mean, Christy just is not here so to educate dirty. Mallory. She is here to... Make her look just as well because she doesn't have the chops for it. (laughs) And the thing is, I get like I get that mentality, and it is the opposite of educating. Like, okay, like I I remember having that attitude that Christy has. Yeah, like I still want to be like that sometimes. It's just I take glee in telling other people they're wrong. It's one of my favorite things. Um, (laughs) But I try not to do it too often because I also don't want to be an awful person. Um, but like when, when I was 12, 13, I didn't realize how awful it was. I did a lot more. I'm sure by the time Christy was our age, she put a lid on this somewhat. Maybe. <laughs> I, I get that whole thing of you're given a modicum of responsibility and you're 12 yeah. and you turn into a dictator. Yes. Like, I get it. Oh, I understand deep. the motive. I mean, that's the Stanford prison experiment, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, except they didn't have the excuse of being fucking 12. Cause <laughs> no, that's true. They they also were pretty misrepresented, though, I think. <laughs> Sometimes when I was 12, right, they would put the big girls, 5th and 6th class, in mm-hmm. charge of some class whose teacher had to go out of the room for 20 minutes and we'd be in charge Mm -hmm. and I remember that when that was me and my friends we were like at any speaker anyone who spoke got their name written up on the board and they had to behave so much better than they would have they had to be still and silent and terrified in a way that they would never have had to be for their teacher when I was in transition I did a week of work experience in my primary school and 
I got sent into a classroom that a teacher was out in. There was already two 11 and 12 year old girls in there looking at me like, who's this bitch in to take our fucking patch? <laughs> and I was just like, mm, a teacher name has asked me to come and take over the class. Sorry. Well, we were here. We were told to mind them. I've been told to... I was 16, by the way. <laughs> I outrank you. I've been told to mind them now. You can go out and take your break. Thank you. <laughs> they were smoking outside. <laughs> they were so angry at me. They were so mad and they left. And I was like, oh, I remember being like that. And then I looked at the class and I was like, you're allowed to talk. If you get very loud, I'll stop you all from talking because, you know, just keep it quiet and stay at your seats. And then they did. And they were like, oh, she's so cool. She's so much cooler than the 11-year-olds. And then did you sit on a chair turned around the wrong way? No, I just sort of sat on the teacher's chair and like didn't do anything. I don't know what I did. I think they asked me questions. It's like, why are you in charge of us, teacher? And I was like, I'm not a teacher. I'm 16. I'm on work experience. And they were like, you know, just asking me questions. Did you go to our school? Yes, I did go to your school. My teacher was this person when I was in sixth class. You know, all that kind of thing. It was fine. (laughs) So you go through a phase where you're mad with the power because it's the first time you ever had any. Yeah, you don't. And then you go through another phase where you're like, I have all this power and I'm just going to magnanimously not use it. And they're going to appreciate me for not doing it. And I'm going to feel like the cool teacher and it's all going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't even a teacher. I was just cool. (laughs) I was not cool. I have never been cool. Cool has never been achieved by me. I'm 37 at this stage. It never will. (laughs) Cool is in the eye of the beholder. That's very true. Like every now and again, I will encounter somebody and see a thing in their face in their interactions with me which is like oh my god I'm so envious of that thing you get to like that's so cool and I'm like I've I've just felt that way about so many people in my life like so yeah you're the cool girl to somebody yeah probably anyway yeah so this was a really realistic view of a 13 year old gone mad with power I think is my is my Mm. take I, I I feel I, I, I know exactly what Chrissy was feeling when, when she came up with that quiz. <laughs> and it sucks. And then we got to what was, so that was all the quiz questions and they were terrible. And then there was the drawing part. Mallory did such a good job with the digestive system. I don't mm. think I could have drawn such a good digestive system at that age. I mean, it was fine. Yes, their, their rationale is that she might have to babysit a kid with colic. I don't think knowing where to draw the spleen has <laughs> anything to do with that. I know. I mean, their argument was she left off the spleen. Blade in the gallbladder. That's not how you draw a basic and digestive liver. and the liver. A basic digestive system drawing contains it's the tube the food goes through. The esophagus. Yeah. The stomach, the small intestine, and the large intestine. That's all you draw unless you're told you need to draw the other bits yeah. by a biology teacher. What the fuck? And can I say as well that I assumed, because of Christie's bullshit, that the liver was hooked up to the digestive system somewhere. And that was wrong. <laughs> and that actually was a problem for me in biology where this came up and I'm like, the liver is in here? When does the food go through the liver? Oh my God, <laughs> Christy, you misled me horribly. Yeah, so Mallory drew the digestive system, i.e. the system where the food goes through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she gut. apparently drew it moderately accurately. Maybe she didn't distinguish large and small intestines, but, you know, she's 11 and probably hasn't done this in school yet. It's squiggly. It's fine. It's fine. And then, like, yeah, the girls were like, no, you need to include the gallbladder and the pancreas and the liver. And you're like, yeah, fucking Dawn. It's Dawn. I thought Dawn was cool. And Dawn is like, (laughs) Dawn is a narc. You left in the pancreas. They're all terrible. (laughs) It's like, I did 
I got like a B in Leaving Cert Biology. This is the, the height of my scientific achievement. I got a B in Leaving Cert Biology. We did not have to draw those when we drew the digestive system. Although, the best anecdote of my school years comes from a Leaving Cert Biology class. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the teacher was telling us about... So, you know, obviously, the uh, you, you learn... I, I learned about the digestive system in so many classes for junior cert and stuff because we did it in home ec and we did it in... Thing, I think we did it in, like, pastoral care for some reason and we did it huh. in science. So, peristalsis is the motion by which the muscles of the gut squeeze and move the food downward and that's fair. Anyway, cut to several years later, I'm in Leaving Cert Biology. We're an honours biology class. We're a fairly well-behaved group. The teacher is a very nice lady. We like her. We get on with her. Uh, we're, you know, not messers. It's a good class. And the teacher, we're doing the reproductive system. And, you know, it's fine. We're not the sort of class that's going to spend it going, <laughs> this is about sex. That really wasn't the sort of thing we were. Um, Missed opportunity. <laughs> at the same time, it was about sex. So that was kind of just under the surface somewhere. <laughs> but we were keeping a profesh and it was good. And the teacher was talking about how actually when sperm are ejaculated into the vagina, then peristalsis occurs in order to move them uh, in towards the uterus and the cervix and the uterus. And we were sitting there very seriously taking notes going, we are serious and being adult about this topic. Well done us. Uh, we are 16 and a half. We are grown-ups. And the uh, the teacher then asked, can anybody remember where else you've heard of peristalsis from? And someone, some genius put up their hand and they said, oh yeah, it's when you swallow. <laughs> the teacher lost her shit. And any time anyone made eye contact with the teacher or another student for the rest of the class, laughter, hysterical, all-encompassing, unavoidable laughter. We learned nothing else that day. We just spent it attempting to fight the giggles and read the next paragraph of the textbook. Peristalsis. It's funny you swallow. Yeah, moments like that are the one thing that could have possibly induced me to become a teacher. <laughs> I wanted to be a teacher. I'm, I do mentoring at the moment with my class of uh, new advisors and people who are out of work for a while and people who are like going into new job roles and stuff and work. And I love that. It's great. It's just like, oh, my little ducklings, you're learning to do so well. Yay! <laughs> um, well, I'm the opposite of the sort of Christy Power trip. There were some good moments like that in primary school. There was one that didn't occur in my school that um, I discovered... Um, I was actually told this by two different people and then I worked out that they had been in the same school ha, cool. uh, because they had both encountered this and it was a sufficiently mad story that they were both told it to me. But anyway, they were doing, um, they were studying Hamlet and they came to, um, the stage direction, enter the Danes and mm-hmm. somebody in the class who had definitely not been paying attention. Um, put up her hand and was like, miss, who are the Danes? I'm like, oh my God, it's obviously this is, it's set in Denmark. <laughs> okay, and every girl in the class was like, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and the teacher who had clearly been paying even less attention, who might actually have been a sub, in this case, was like, oh, don't you know, they're those big dogs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm like, a part of me is like, I think I was taught English by that fucker. <laughs> He also taught religion and uh, gave an incorrect direction d- 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 um, uh, definition of the word puritanical in class once. Like you teach English and religion. English and religion. 
my sister had a legendarily terrible history teacher and she used to come home and just give out about this teacher um and she was giving out one day about how uh she uh the teacher had written St. Peter Burger on the board. Um, and I was like, oh God. I mean, in fairness though, anybody can, you know, can get mixed up when they're writing on a board. Maybe she just got distracted when she's writing at the end of the yeah. word. <laughs> Stephanie turns around and glares at me and she says, she couldn't find China on the map. Wow. Like, it's really big, okay? It's, it's all t- tucked away down there. You know? <laughs> we had a really bad teacher in a history teacher also uh, who was a petty it was Christy like petty tyrant um, mm-hmm. she was the teacher who um, would she would make us like highlight three quarters of our book and memorize it that was oh, her yeah. teaching style <laughs> like so great start uh, at one stage she genuinely asked the class because she did not know which had come first the American Civil War or the American War of Independence <laughs> Both of these things are on the Irish Junior Cert curriculum. Yeah. Which she was supposed to be teaching you. Which she mm. was teaching us at the time. So, yeah, we, we, mm. she didn't know. And I was just like, you can't have a civil war until you are a country. <laughs> this is actually, you could just logically deduce this, even if you couldn't remember that one of them started in years beginning with 17 and one of them started <laughs> in years beginning with 18. You could you couldn't even think of movies and be like, hey, and one of them people have tricorn hats and funny wigs, and one of them people have fucking fancy ball gowns, right? You couldn't have thought of any of these. Yeah, like, do you know anything about history? Anyway, so this teacher was awful, um, and that was her like demonstration of how shit she was at history. But her great thing as a petty tyrant was if you looked <laughs> at your watch in her class, she would confiscate your watch or give you detention. <laughs> So my brother, who was a little shit, and I <laughs> like him for this, he got all of the, like, a rebelliousness that, uh, the rebellion genes that skipped me. Um, he, oh, such a classic oldest child, sh- he drew a watch on his arm. <laughs> and he kept ostentatiously checking his watch in class until she caught him. Oh and she said, give me your watch. And he said... I don't have a watch, miss. <laughs> and he got tension, detention, I think, instead, or lines, but he was like, it was so worth it, because she used to just take people's watches. <laughs> he was, like, I, I think he should be so proud of that. He's, like, 33 now, and he works as a nurse, and I think if I were him, that would be the proudest moment of my life. <laughs> what was that? I don't know, sorry. I think the rabbit accidentally kicked the bag in which we keep the glass recycling (laughs) because my husband has come walking in the door and is waving sheepishly because he needs to pee. (laughs) I correctly interpret. So basically what happens is we have a glass back door and uh, when I record this podcast, my husband goes out to his man cave, which is his work office and has his like Warhammer painting station and like about five computers and it's, I got a sofa. It's a very nice man cave in the garden. Uh, and he started walking over and the rabbit saw, oh my God, something's moving in the garden and lost his shit because he's a rabbit. And in his panic, he kicked the bag that contains the glass recycling. Okay. And it made a clanky noise, panicking the rabbit further and causing alarm on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Karen, you were saying? I have no idea. <laughs> I think saying? we should probably return to the babies to school. Yes. Yeah, I think we covered a lot of the plush. There's, yeah, there's not a ton of plot in this book, I think. Um, 
yeah, the main threads are, wow, Stony Brook's really racist. And I mean, that gradually gets a little better in that when attention is brought to the situation to individual families, such as the Pikes, Mrs. Yes. Pike is like, oh, I'll bring around a casserole. I don't know if it's a casserole. Uh, some sort of food stuff. Casserole equivalent. Yeah. Yeah. And the Johansons, like, invite them around to dinner and send Charlotte over to play with Becca and stuff. And Yeah. So it's like, well, the non-racists just hadn't realized that all of the racists had made them feel unwelcome. And then they're like, oh, yeah, I should go visit the new family. I've been a little busy for the last week. I'll do that now. Yeah, I, I have to say, even in my teeny little estate, I've not always noticed that a new family has moved in until suddenly there are um, children that I haven't seen previously yeah. <laughs> regularly playing out the front. I'm like, oh, OK, <laughs> that's cool. Um, I mean, I'm home all the time. I don't know how I miss these things. And yet <laughs> I guess you don't be looking out the window to look for moving yeah. vans all the time. Yeah. You, you know, you've got your job and children and life. There are neighbours. Oh, my God. OK, do you know the next door neighbours that I was talking about, the tenants who like I talk mm-hmm. to and nobody else does. They're very nice, really young. I think they're like like 23 average they were moving in um and they all they just showed up there was like five of them um so yeah they they came round to see the house when they were moving in and there was a sudden flurry of messages on the neighborhood not the neighborhood watch group the neighborhood whatsapp um yeah, it was like yeah, um oh there seemed there was a big group of people in hoodies out in the road um they looked a bit strange i did anybody notice what were they doing i was like these are they're moving in they're they're our new neighbors Chill the fuck out. Oh, it's weird. I noticed that um, uh, Arisit, so where I live, this is the poshest place I've ever lived. Um, none of the teenagers who hang around outside the shops smoke. <laughs> right? Okay. Fancy. Um, and I was Googling around. I can't remember why. I think friends of mine were looking at buying a house and I did that thing where you Google the name of the estate and the accused. Yeah. Um, and I just for the laugh put in my estate to see what kind of like scandals are there here. Oh. Like this is a really fucking like. I've never done that. I'm going to do it. Middle class estate. Maybe not quite as middle class as Karen's, but like it's, it's right, it's up there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I would not be able to afford a house in a state like this in Dublin. And um, in fact, where I moved to in Dublin <coughs> is going to be a step down. Um, <coughs> no offense, Lusk. I love you very much. I grew up there, but. You're not classy. <laughs> and I came across this, like, petition to close this little alleyway that goes, you know, those little walkways where it's basically the back of one estate has a wall, the back of another estate has a wall, there's a walk between them. Yeah. In the north of England, they call it a ginnel. I don't know what they call it elsewhere. We call it an alley. There's an alley. And um, <laughs> it's not very well kept. Sometimes there is graffiti. The very odd time you see an alcohol bottle there. An alcohol bottle? <laughs> yes, various. I've seen some beer. Shocking. Pans. I've seen, I don't think I've, Sometimes wine. I don't think I've ever seen like vodka, which is your typical, like, <laughs> there are some teenagers who really want to get drunk bottle. And I don't think I've seen that. But yeah, sometimes you see a, a bottle or a can and there's sometimes graffiti and sometimes there's crisp packets. Oh, no. <laughs> But overall, there's not a lot of litter. This this is fine. Like this is yeah. This is the quality of neighbourhood. And there was a petition from a couple <laughs> of years ago. We were living here, and there was a petition which got rejected by the county council because it's like we don't know. This isn't how these things work. Uh, to close it off. This is, by the way, the shortcut so that I can get to the shop. It will add a solid five minutes to the journey if I have to go out the front of the state and go around. 
because of unsavory people hanging out there. And I'm like, do you mean adolescents? What are you afraid of? Oh my God. Company keeping of a serious nature. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, there isn't. I've never seen a used condom in there ever. <laughs> like, it's not even that bad. Like, it's fine. There's no needles. Aoife, you and your fancy Dublin ways, you don't understand how things work in your nice Galway suburb. <laughs> Thinking that fuckers tried to close this passageway that is really handy. Like they might have asked the council to pave it because it gets a bit mucky. They probably want to own it so that they can extend their backyard and have two extra feet of garden. <laughs> I, I, to be honest with you, I, I don't think anybody is actually in a garden position where that would do them any good whatsoever. This was just sheer pettiness <laughs> and terror of the youths. The youths. <laughs> and I'm like, someone went around with a petition door to door in our estate and they obviously missed our house because I told them to fuck off, <laughs> frankly. And I was living here at the time. Like, I would have probably used the words fuck and no, I wouldn't have. <laughs> Not that sort of person. I'm way too passive aggressive. I never would have actually started a confrontation like that. I would have probably said, no, I actually find that passage very convenient. <laughs> and then left them to him. <laughs> but like, yeah, that's where I live. Except actually, I like recently there was a pipe bomb. <laughs> that's a bit spicy. Tell us about that. I have no idea who would have done this or why. It might have been like the time my dad made a spice Okay, a pipe bomb. The reason my dad made a pipe bomb... <laughs> oh my god. I've mentioned my brother several times, okay? My brother <laughs> was a bit of a hellion as a youngster. Okay. And he got in his head that he wanted to make a bomb. Okay. My father had a shotgun. He had shotgun shells full of gunpowder. Okay. My father had also acquired various black cat Halloween bangers. <laughs> they were also full of gunpowder. Mm-hmm. How many How many felonies are we up to, Esther? <laughs> are you keeping track? There is only one felony so far, which is possession of fireworks, which is illegal in this country. I don't think we make a distinction between felonies and misdemeanors. There's only one crime being committed here, which is owning black cat bangers. I said felony for um, dramatic effect. <laughs> I know you did, but I corrected you because I'm a pedant. Let's move on. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, so basically my dad realised that my 13-year-old brother was going to make a pipe bomb on his own and blow his fingers off in a best case scenario. So my dad said, don't worry, son, I'll help you make a bomb. We will make one bomb. We will blow up these wooden crates that I have and then we will move on with our lives and not make another fucking bomb. And he took, he carefully took the pellets out of the gunpowder in the shotgun shells and took the gunpowder from the black cap and put it into a pipe and screwed a cap on it and made it like a proper pipe. How my dad knows how to make a pipe bomb, I don't know. But he knew how to make <laughs> All dads You know, Aoife, but don't <laughs> so, talk about it on this podcast, no, okay? seriously, I don't. <laughs> Are we going to get put on a watch list for telling our listeners how to make a pipe bomb? <laughs> he found someone down the pub who knew how to make a pipe bomb. Of course. Is probably how, it's how my dad knows everything, <laughs> is that he found someone down the pub who knows the thing. <laughs> this is not... This podcast is not doing anything to stop, like, Irish stereotypes <laughs> from okay, circulating. Except, except this is a wholesome father-son bonding activity. <laughs> no, that doesn't help. That doesn't help at all. It does. Let's make a pipe bomb together, son, so that you don't injure yourself. And let's use it to blow up some old crates in the field at the back of our house so that you don't hurt anybody else. 
very reasonable use of a pipe bomb. This is the most, the only like reason I can think of that you should ever make a pipe bomb is to stop your 13 year old son doing it on his own. I think Karen is meditating. My dad helped my, my brother make a pipe bomb and they blew up some crates, some crates in the field and it was a cool explosion and the crates blew up. <laughs> And then my dad collected the wood from the crates and he used it. And the next time he burnt rubbish, which he's very angry at the fact that that's not legal um, anymore because it's his rubbish and it's his right to burn it. Um, he's a very rural minded gentleman. And Can we just start keeping a list of crimes? <laughs> crimes that we have admitted to, fair, to on other people's behalf. My dad's only committed a few crimes and I've probably mentioned most of them. You know, I have things to respond to, but they're so far back because every time you, you, you've, you've got a new weird anecdote to build on the previous one. Yes. You and can I'm like, escalate. oh yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm really sorry. I'm kind of, I've drunk too much. Also, Esther, you've got to cut all of this, please. My father has committed many crimes and I've just said them out loud in a recording. That's why my father made all those friends when he spent two years in the Quran, you know? <laughs> no, he's never been in jail. He's a law-abiding citizen and that he's never been caught and he doesn't do... That's not what that crimes. means! No! He's never done serious crimes. He only does Irish, I'm from the country and I'm a bit of a cute horror crimes. <laughs> Just he does just charming crimes that you don't mind him doing that don't hurt people. Guys, I have to turn this into a podcast episode somehow. I'm really sorry. Okay, let's talk about the book again. I'm so sorry, Esther. Okay, second. So okay, I have something to talk about. Which is that Marianne <laughs> is still holding a grudge. Yes. Again, she's writing in the club notebook about how they're too busy and they don't have enough babysitters. And she was like, in the past, when we've written about club problems in our notebook, they were pretty bad ones. Like we were all mad and not speaking to each other. Or there was a member among us who seemed about ready to defect. <laughs> Which is hilariously pointed. And yeah, Marianne is the keeper of all the dirt on everyone. And she will remember everybody's crimes forever. This is true. Like Marianne is... A scary bitch, we all know it. I keep calling people bitches, I realised, on this podcast. I don't use the word that often in real life. <laughs> I use it as a compliment on the podcast, mostly. Has it been reclaimed? Can we use it as somebody who's like... I, d I don't know. I don't know. I'm on Tumblr and I don't know. <laughs> Are we allowed to call people bitches? Am I being an anti-feminist? I've run out of wine. I don't know. Are we cancelled yet? <laughs> We're doing our fucking best here. Someone's gonna cancel me any second. <laughs> <laughs> I, I left my water in the kitchen I'm going to get it up back in a second okay. and maybe when we come back we'll be less unsuitable <laughs> Esther's just going to be listening to this in three weeks like what were we thinking and you tried so hard to get us back on topic like multiple times now I'm sorry I know you're sober as well yes brutally sober <laughs> sorry <laughs> it's okay I think it's for the best that someone is sober or we would never ever ever get back on track how are we gonna end this thing okay so yes uh meanwhile back in claudia's house the girls are freaking out because they are they still have the problem that they were gonna hire mallory to solve <laughs> which is that they have too many jobs not enough babysitters and they're like they need cheap labor oh yeah we still haven't solved this problem uh so then they start to sort of wistfully think about how reliable mallory actually is 
<laughs> Gee, maybe not being able to include the pancreas in a diagram of the digestive system doesn't mean you're incompetent babysitter after all. That's sacrilege, Aoife. Sacrilege. Yeah. And also, Don has been talking to the local moms and apparently Nikki's accident was in fact an accident and not Mallory's fault. Uh, huh. and then we're all doing surprise Pikachu face, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you did actually. It was a really good surprise Pikachu face. It is a perfect <laughs> surprise Pikachu face. Then they all admit that they didn't know anything about the digestive system anyway. And it took them look, ages to make the test because they had to look so much stuff up first. Um, <laughs> oh, can I just mention the thing about soy sauce? Yes. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, so they were talking about colic. Yeah, they're talking about colic. Um, and Mallory has already mentioned that her youngest sister, um, had had colic and that they gave her soy formula for it. And that was, that helped her, which I don't know if that's a universal cure, but it worked for Claire Pike anyway. And, um, later on in the same meeting, Claudia very grandiosely says something like, yeah, well, I wouldn't give her soy sauce for, um, for colic like you did. And Mallory said, soy formula. And Claudia's like, huh? Did, <laughs> Soy sauce is a condiment that you use for... A salty condiment. It's a salty condiment. Oh, I like the use of the word condiment, actually. That's a pretty yeah, good I term know. for I, 11 year olds. I never hear the word condiment without thinking of that scene. Really? <laughs> very day. I think it was the first place I've learned com- I learned the word condiment. Yeah. And also, it's, soy sauce is a salty um, condiment. condiment. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, and then um, Claudia's like, Oh, it's different. Oh, okay. Okay. And Mallory's like, yeah, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) This is, this is where I'm getting that thing of Mallory being like, I don't know why you're judging me, Claudia. I'm smarter than you. It's just like, she's, Mallory's response is clearly like, don't push me. You know, I'm not going to start anything, Claudia, (laughs) but I am going to finish it. You might think that you're so cool because you're 13. (laughs) But I know all the words. I know so many words. I know the word condiment. Do you know what condiment is? You just think it's vaguely dirty and you don't know why. <laughs> also, um, Claudia's like Japanese-American. She probably does know what soy sauce is. Yeah, that's pretty wild, the Claudia's. Con- yeah, that was, that. they should have given that line to somebody else. Anybody yeah. else should have had that line, honestly. I think maybe the issue is that Claudia knows what soy sauce is. Mm-hmm. And has heard soy formula and has oh, really she just substituted. heard it in her head as soy sauce. And is just like saying soy sauce yeah. and is probably wondering why are they giving soy sauce to babies with colic? <laughs> <laughs> she knows exactly what soy sauce is. She's less familiar with soy formula. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I do have a hilarious soy formula anecdote, actually. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> um, I mean, what else are we here for? I know. So yeah, um, <laughs> my dad is, uh, uh, he's not actually from California, but he basically eats like the Schaefer's. Um, very much did back in the seventies and eighties. So when I was born, um, I was, I was my mum's fifth baby. So she had kind of seen everything by that point. And I was my dad's first kid. So he was full of notions and had no experience or knowledge. (laughs) So, uh, when they were transitioning me to have some formula, he decided that cow's milk based formula was the man's formula and it was too corporate and they were going to give me soy formula from the health food shop. Now, I'm not lactose intolerant. I fucking love a bit of lactose. (laughs) I drink a lot of cow's milk to this very day. There was absolutely no reason to give me soy formula except that he thought it was like, it was more hipster, basically. (laughs) This is amazing. I projectile vomited across the room. (laughs) 
violently, violently, violently intolerant to this stuff. And my mom was just like, yeah, I think we'll give her the normal formula now. Yeah, can we go back to cow and gator smart, please? Yeah. Thank you. Do you know, I was 13 when I met Esther and I'm still very familiar with this particular anecdote. And it's the first thing I thought of. When I reread this book, I was like, sorry, Formula. Uh, Esther's going to tell that story. Because I, when I read this book the first time, I relayed the soy formula, soy sauce joke to my dad. And he was like, let me tell you something about soy formula. <laughs> so, okay, this Just story don't. is like intimately connected with the, the lore of my family, basically. I love I've it. I've never seen soy formula available in this country at all. Yeah, you have to go to the fucking health food shop on Georgia Street. I actually <laughs> go to quite a few different health food shops for all the like various weird crap that we eat and I've never seen soy formula there. Because like, formula is the kind of thing you need to buy in large quantities usually. It's, um, yeah. I just have never seen a tub of it that was soy. You can get goat. I've definitely seen goat. I think goat is easier soy. to get than soy, but maybe goat mm. wasn't invented then, so maybe soy was... <laughs> goats were only invented. Goats then. weren't invented. <laughs> in the I think goats were invented. I mean goat formula. You know I mean goat formula. <laughs> Guys, I have to do my taxes tomorrow. <laughs> okay, how do we wind this, this book up? Okay, so... The babysitters realize they fucked up. So oh, yeah. they humiliatingly have to call Mallory and Jesse at Kids Incorporated. And when Mallory realizes it's Christy on the phone, she's like, oh, hi, do you need a babysitter? Which is amazing. <laughs> yes, I need you. I actually thought that was sort of a, a good gesture of propitiation. Is that the term I'm looking for? What, on Mallory's behalf? No, on Christy's behalf. I thought it was like, okay, I'm going to ring you at your meeting. I'm going to validate your business. One business professional to another. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I thought that was what was going on. One business professional ringing the other to initiate a corporate takeover. Exactly. <laughs> that is exactly what's going on. Oh my God. I'm yes. right. But yes, Mallory is hilariously sassy about it and I love it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yes, also she, like... She's Im- immediately takes them up on their offer, uh, but I was like, only on condition I can bring Jesse with me. So um, they do. Mm-hmm. And then the girls have a little talk about what to do if they have racist clients. And they're like, yeah, I don't think mm-hmm. the Newtons would be racist or the Johansons or the Barretts. And they list a bunch of clients and like not the Preciosos. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I had to pick someone who was going to turn out to be racist, that that would have been my guess. It would be them. I feel like... I like that, okay, They the Babysitter's Club had to deal with the fact that Jesse has been treated horribly. Yeah. But they took their fucking time about it. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a bit where Jesse is the one who's like, okay, look, I've been dealing with a lot of racism since I arrived. And if you have me in your club, you might, it might damage your business. And there's just like a silence where they all go, oh, I didn't think about that. I'm like, no, that's not the response. The response is, fuck those people. Yeah. We won't sit for those ever again. And instead, Christy's like, well... I guess we won't sit for those people because it occurs to me that we don't like racism. <laughs> so I guess we won't sit for them. No, to be fair, this is a bunch of white, uh, other than Claudia, white 13-year-olds. I know. Which means that they sit there and go, right, racism is, oh my gosh, that is a thing. <laughs> we, 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 we're against it. You know, I mean, yeah, I'm okay with that. That's, that's, yeah. that's like a bunch of mostly white teenagers being exposed to an aspect of the world that they had never been forced to encounter before. I, I'm i okay with them taking a minute. Yeah, I took it as more their 
they have never had to think about this before and they're like processing rather than they're wondering if they should just go along with racist clients or not. Mm. Okay. I, I, they, yeah, they, t- they just take a second to... I think all of this will be very different in the TV show. Yes. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to seeing how they handle it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, do, do you know what, though? Like, I think the TV show will be a lot better at it. Yeah. Well, the TV show is so much less heavy-handed. Yeah. I look forward to seeing what they do with Jesse and if they do this book or not. Esther, I was meaning to ask, mm-hmm. Sophia was reading this as well. Yes. Um, mm. What was her take on this one? Because, yes, the actual child that we like to consult. Yes, <laughs> our actual child. Uh, yes, her take was that the people of Stony Brook are trash. Aww. <laughs> Love her. Yeah, no, she was she was suitably disgusted by the carry on. She was like, "They're so mean! I can't believe how mean they are." Mm. Um, yeah, that was that are. was her main takeaway. Did she peg the meanness as racism? Yeah, yeah, cool. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I think I would have thought it was mean, but also I like I don't mm. think I really got racism when I was eleven. No, no, she was absolutely like, "They're so racist." Why are they all? Why is everyone so racist? Cool. Also, she agreed that the digestive system test was bullshit. <laughs> go girl, go girl. Actually, yeah. Um. So the covers, the we've got to the point where the UK covers are not as hilariously terrible as they Ooh, were. I have to peek at this. Um. So the cover Ooh. for this one is just a sort of generic girl with big glasses holding a baby. I have a thing. About mm. the general appearance. So, so the, the US cover that I have is Mallory with the red hair and the glasses. Yeah. The text describes the Pikes as all having dark hair. Yes. She says they all have mm. dark brown hair. This is why. So I was a slavish adherent to the text as a child. And I have always been really frustrated with images of Mallory with red hair because she doesn't have red hair. It says in the text she's got dark brown hair and I didn't read much beyond book 20. So yeah, does it just get retconned later on? I guess it just gets red later on and then it's red. Yeah. The book cover has her with red hair. Yeah, the American cover. But the text has her with dark and I just think that's wrong. There are future books, I am positive, where she is explicitly described as having red hair because um, yes. they're in one of the super specials, I think, where they're traveling somewhere and she decides to sneakily go blonde. Um, and everybody is like, oh, Mallory, oh, it's a disaster. Oh, oh dear. And before she goes home, they, they all go out to like CVS or wherever and they all pick what they remember as being their, her proper hair color <laughs> so that they can dye it back before she goes home and Mrs. Pike murders her or whatever. <laughs> That's amazing. That's brilliant. Because apparently parents used to be really hung up on what color her hair was. I don't know. <laughs> well, my mom, when I was a teenager, I was like, hypothetically, because I did not care about these things at the time, <laughs> hypothetically, mom, could I dye my hair? And she was like, yeah, we'd have to dye it a normal hair color. That's no fun. And I was like, that's okay. And then when I was 19, I <laughs> like dyed it like bright red at the front. And the rest of it stayed its normal colour, which is like dark brown shading to black. And um my mum was like, Oh Eva, I wish I could have done that when I was when my hair when I was your age. I'm too old to do it now. Like you're never too old for that stuff. And that was the start of me being like, Mother, you are not too old. Do what you want with your hair and do it now. Yeah. Just do it. Do things with your hair. And she's never listened to me. She keeps saying she's too old now. I'm like thirty seven. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm still doing mad shit with my hair, mom, and you should too. And she still doesn't listen to me. <laughs> they never do. <laughs> no. But yeah, the the American cover, it's just so much better than the UK cover mm-hmm. because my daughter saw mm-hmm. the US cover having not read the book yet. And she was like, oh, so it looks from the cover like 
the Babysitter's Club are being really mean and making it really hard for Mallory to join the club. Is that what happens in this one? Oh, I had that book, I think, because yeah. I saw the picture and was like, oh, yes. But like, it's it's such a successful illustration because you can tell exactly from the picture that that's what's happening. And then the UK cover mm-hmm. is like, a girl holds a baby. The end. Yeah. At least the girl looks like a human, but... She's got that going for her. Yeah, it's Claudia in the background. Yeah. Oh, there's also a caption which says, why are the babysitters making it so hard for Mallory to join their club? Oh, okay. There's a caption. (laughs) But the caption does perfectly explain, encapsulate what's going on in this picture. That is true. Too. Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah, Claudia's in the background with like a literal clipboard. Yeah. Um, yes, making notes. Which makes way more sense. And with a face on her. Yeah. She's, she's got a face on her. And various <laughs> children are pulling Mallory's hair. As usual, the US cover is far better and mm-hmm. indicates what's happening in the book. The UK cover at this stage is not being drawn by someone who was doing art for the GCSE for a fiver and a packet of crisps, <laughs> uh, but is also just sort of a bespectacled curly-haired girl holding a toddler. Yeah. A girl holds a baby. That was the book I had. A girl holds a baby. Yeah. Um, it's also not great, but you know. It's, it's fine. It's just not particularly engaging. She looks very sad. She looks like she's thinking about all the bad things that have happened in the world ever. It's fair. I'm sorry, I'm just comparing, flicking around between the covers now on Google. Mm. Uh, Duck, Duck, Go is terrible for Finding Babysitter's Club UK covers, <laughs> by the way. Just, I mean, it's, I had to go back and use Google. It's quite hard on Google anyway. It's, it's, I know, you just Google, like, hello, I Googled Hello Mallory UK cover and it showed right the fuck There's up. There's one blog that has all of them, but I think they yeah, gave up that blog. after a certain it's point. They gave up at, like, book 30. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll we'll struggle after then, but, you know. Yeah, we're screwed then. We won't know what those look like. If any one of us had red hair, by the way, all of us are Mallory. <laughs> if yeah. I had a curly red wig. I was going to say, I was never really a horse girl, but also I did no, horse either. running from the age of eight to the age of 17 and, like, was super into horse books. So I don't know why I ever think I wasn't yeah, a horse you're girl. I think I just. Definitely a horse girl. I just didn't talk a lot about horses to other people. Okay. I did beg my parents for a horse and they were like, Aoife, no, because do you know why? I was like, we have a field. <laughs> and my dad was like, Someone is going to have to get up at 6am to muck out. Is it going to be you? And I went, you raise a point, father. <laughs> and moved on with my life and was like, fine, I would like the following items of X-Files merchandise for Christmas then if I can't have a pony. <laughs> oh, that's a good bargaining chip, actually, which Mallory uses later on in a different book where she's like... Really? Demand a pony? Then be like, fine, then no, give me the other thing. She wants, like, to pierce her ears... Okay. Cool, and she cool. asks for like four things and they're like, okay, no, you can't have most of us, but we can allow you to pierce your ears. And she's like, yes. And no, I was thinking about the, um, yeah, the horse girl thing. Do you know that, um, the writers of Rohan and, yeah. um, oh, yes. the movies, yeah, they they didn't have enough blokes that were into, that could horse ride to be extras. So they're all ladies with beards on. Yeah, I love that. There's so many like women extras who can ride. I mean, um, I had like two sets of cousins that had horses growing up just because like their parents were into horses and they happened to be farmers or own a bit of land or whatever and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, very much into the not rich people who own horses side of things here. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, my father quite sensibly was like, that's a lot of work and you don't like getting up in the morning. So, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As a teenage girl, you're either a horse girl 
mm-hmm. or you recognize that you're fundamentally lazy. <laughs> That's my, that there's two types of teen girls and I, I'm the late on the lazy side. My sister was the horse girl and I think I saw her break sufficient number of bones yeah, that I was see. like, do you know what? I feel good about my, my like fiddly little bones in places that you don't want to break. Like, the other thing is I was not very good at horse riding and I mean I never broke a bone but I never did risky things on them mm. I just did horse riding lessons once a week for several years mm. and like I got to a competent stage I think if I lived in an era where transport was mainly on horseback and we'll ignore the whole side saddle thing and assume that I'm allowed to ride a stride because I think people always did anyway even though there was like well except for yeah. unless you were an upper class lady in the Victorian era in which case you learned to ride side saddle um I think I, I, I'd have done okay. You know, I've learned the basics. I know how to mount a horse. I would be able to ride a s- solid and reasonable horse from town to town. But like, no one was ever like, oh, perhaps you should enter in the gym cola. <laughs> no one ever said that to me. Let me tell you. Uh, I, I mean, I read a lot of books where that sort of thing happened to people. An Enid Blyton novel did not spontaneously break out or end you. So my assumption is I wasn't particularly good at it. Um, I just sort of sat on hard-mouthed riding school ponies' backs while they went in a circle around the paddock a lot. See, I would have absolutely loved to do that because I wanted to be a girl in a fantasy novel, basically. so good. I mean, I'm really glad it is my one apocalypse world skill. <laughs> it's like, look, if there's a horse, I can ride it. I just need a saddle and bridle. I never did bareback. We didn't do that. We did without stirrups. We could take the stirrups and cross them over the front of the saddle, but I need a saddle. There's no saddles in the apocalypse, either. I mean, I'll figure it out. It's fine. I'm not, a, like, I wouldn't be afraid to do that. I would try it. Bikes also exist. And don't need feeding. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, but bikes are much less good at going across fields and they can't jump ditches. <laughs> Horses true. can jump things. Uh, yes. That is a big advantage. Because they also break. Well, bikes can jump things if you have like E.T. in your basket. <laughs> and a big ramp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean. Horses have I'm, opinions. <laughs> I don't have the skills to build a ramp, but I have the skills to like fucking demand a riding school pony go over a three foot jump. So that's that's quite some skills. <laughs> I just see you arguing with this horse. <laughs> Yeah, neither of us could do it. No, I'm scared of horses. Yeah. I guess I started horse riding when I was eight. Like, and I did it for, like, till I was about 16 or 17. So, yeah. Get over, get over that ditch. (laughs) No, I'm telling you, get over it. I prefer not to. At one time we went to a special, there was meant to be a pony camp, but not enough people volunteered for it. So we couldn't do like a week of pony camp in the summer. And instead we just did like a beach ride. And uh, I think as compensation to the people who would volunteer wanted to do the pony camp they were like okay we'll just do a beach ride instead so we all went to scaries went to do the beach ride i think we like rode the horses to scaries we must have how the fuck did we get to scaries anyway we must have rode the horses there <laughs> oh um, i just don't remember how we got there but we must have rode the horses and we got onto the beach and the pony i was on immediately like smelled the sea air and went bananas and bolted so i could not stop the fucker and this pony bolted and I was just like, oh, I guess this is galloping because it's way faster and smoother than cantering and just kind of held on. And then suddenly the horse had stopped and I was sat in a puddle of water <laughs> on the beach. Like, what? I'm on the ground. I guess I went over the horse's head, tumbled and landed on my bum in a puddle because the horse saw the puddle stop short and I just went over its head. And 
Um, and the horse was like, oh, that was on. good. I got rid of this thing. And the horse was like, yeah, all right. Okay, cool. That was nice. And I just got back on and we kept going. It was fine. I mean, I really prone to the cold and I had gotten wet and it was not fun for the rest of the thing, but it was fine. Um, and later I told my dad what had happened and my dad laughed and was like, next time that happens now, just bring the horse's nose around to its arse. Just jack on one side of the reins. I was like, oh, they can't gallop. If their nose is at their arse. I was like, oh, yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> Go in a circle. So now I know if I'm ever on horse again, the bolts, I just get its nose around to its arse because it can't gallop if its nose is at its arse. Um, Aoife. In a circle, I get confused. Your dad made a pipe bomb with your brother as a bonding experience. So. Dude, he is a very, very rural... Okay, this is how I describe my dad. I have to pee. I'm sorry. I believe you, though. Okay. My dad has the mentality of a farmer, the attitude of a farmer, but he is a psychiatric nurse. <laughs> Only because his family was too poor and owned no land. I mean, that's a pretty good reason not to be a farmer. Like, Yeah, no, pretty much. He's just, you're just absolutely stereotypical 65-year-old rural Irishman. That's my dad. Yeah, he does have absolute farm dad vibes by the end of it. Full on farm dad vibes. But he's, yeah... Looks like a farmer, talks like a farmer, acts like a farmer, thinks like a farmer, is a psychiatric nurse. That's Maybe that. that's a good skill set to bring to psychiatric nursing. I don't actually know. Not particularly. No. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> now we know. Um, okay. I want to talk a little bit about the fashion in this, if that's okay. Yes. Yes, let's do that. Yes. Yes. Poor Mallory looking like a valentine. Yes. So Mallory <laughs> um, at the start is going to go to her first meeting and massively overthinks it and decides that the girls are cool and teenagery so she's gonna dress up so yes i was pretty sure when they got dressed up they wore trendy clothes like big bright sweater dresses or sparkly tops and tight pants i don't have any clothes like that mom says i'm too young maybe when i'm 12 or 13 (laughs) which is (laughs) adorable so yes she dresses in like a red dress that says mallory on the front and a blouse and white tights with little red hearts and then instantly realizes when she gets there that she's like overthought it and they write this in the notebook which i think is them trying to be diplomatic and makes me die inside yeah that's like Like, just don't write it guys just don't say anything you don't need to figure it out there was there was no need for that at all because there's a very wide range of clothes yes that people wear and like Claudia and Stacy are forever being complimented on their amazing outfits that have all the jewellery and stuff, yeah. which are, to my mind, indistinguishable from this level of dressed up. Yes. Like, I think Mallory's outfit sounds kind of cute. Um, I think the difference is Mallory's outfit is a childish outfit and their, outfit, their outfits are teenager outfits. Yeah. But like... Uh, yeah, okay. I suppose I'm not sufficiently well versed in what they were... She's wearing a corduroy pinafore. She's wearing nice clothes that her mammy bought her. Yeah. But it's got her name on it. Like, yeah, no, that's not cool though. Like, could you imagine wearing a pinafore with your name on it to, to like a disco? I think, I suppose these days everything is kind of up for grabs in a way that it mightn't have been as much. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I I think the idea is Mallory is wearing slightly more babyish clothes than they would. But Mm. also that was really wild to me reading this was like, I'm not allowed to pierce my ears. And I'm like, I don't, I pierced mine with my communion money and the Mm. girl across the road got hers pierced when she was a toddler. I don't know what the deal is. Yeah. Why are you not allowed to pierce your ears? Ear piercing seems to be way more kind of contentious in America than it is here. But is it yeah, just body modification wild. at all? Is it like the kind of thing where if you have a tattoo, you'll never get a good job? Yeah, I guess. Kind of thing. But yeah, I love Mallory is sort of assuming that 
all of the older girls are as beholden to what their mothers will let them do as she is, which is very sweet. sweet. Like she assumes that the reason uh, Christy doesn't wear makeup is because her mother doesn't (laughs) let her. Whereas like Christy would rather die than wear makeup. It's fine. This is, I guarantee you, she has never had this conversation with her mother. (laughs) Also, I love that Mallory's description of it is that Christy's face is always plain, which just sounds so much like a kid trying to describe someone with no makeup and not quite knowing the words for it. Yes. Uh, Also, like, I think, like, if any Christy's mother does the conversation, it will be that sort of, like, um, do you, do, do you want me to, like, help you with makeup? Do you, do you want me to help you buy some makeup or anything, Christy? <laughs> Which is thinly veiled for, are you gay? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> also, I'd like to say, I say that, like, my mother was never into makeup and she is not gay. Uh, I was never into makeup. I, I'm slightly more into makeup than my mother is, uh, which is to say not really into makeup at all, but occasionally I wear it. And I'm also not gay, but bye. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, I I I like the perspective of Mallory looking at these like very exciting older girls and thinking yes. about how cool they are and not actually knowing so them sweet. that well. Like mm. she's like, oh yeah, I don't know what Dawn was. I guess she was just another babysitter, but now she's the treasurer because Stacy left or whatever. And it's like, this oh, was, yes, this her previous was... job must not have been very important. Yeah, <laughs> she, yeah she I know. It's like she was the alternate officer. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. Uh, no, that is exactly exactly <laughs> correct, though. Yeah, she is completely right. <laughs> I mean, yes, uh, they they just needed to give her a title. Yes, um, so they did. Yeah, no, she's um. It makes it more impressive that she stands up to them then when they're unreasonable to her. Yes. Um, There are so many life lessons in this book. Uh, Tons of babysitting advice. I mean, to be fair, a lot of the... It's not like a ton of babysitting advice. Actually, there is, but like a lot of it is like Mallory being like, obviously you do this, and then like the babysitter's club telling you you need to know what a tourniquet is. Claudia's advice to Mallory is actually generally fairly good. She's just being really yeah. undiplomatic and bossy about how she imparts it. <laughs> um, okay. We have also learned that racism is bad. <laughs> Good to know. If you need to talk to you, you now know. Um, <laughs> yes. Be a de- baseline decent human being. You know, do that. Yeah. And we have learned the difference between soy formula and soy sauce. <laughs> uh, we have learned that there are a bunch of things in the digestive system, like the uh, liver and the gallbladder, uh, which is totally where the food goes through and where colic happens. Yeah, that was very misleading. (laughs) And we've learned so much about teething. We've learned which teeth come in and precisely what month they come in. Do you know, it was kind of an own goal for the Babysitter's Club that they started talking about colic and Mallory was like, oh yeah, I have personal experience with that with my youngest (laughs) sibling. And they were like, uh, yeah, um... No, but your answer is wrong. Sorry. Sorry. Next. Out. Get out. <laughs> yeah. If you're yeah. going to pose someone a convoluted aptitude test to join your like after school club business, 
Maybe know what the <laughs> hell you're talking about first. <laughs> they yeah, had plenty. At least they admit later, hey, that was really hard to come up with the questions because we had to look them all up in the encyclopedia. And it's like, yeah, exactly. You didn't know them either. I think is it wouldn't be hard to come up with like five babysitting related, like what would you do in this scenario questions? From their ex- their own experience. Like, for example, what happens if you are babysitting for a child who has a temperature of 104? Talk us through. Yes. What happens if a phantom caller shows up? <laughs> your neighborhood. What happens if there's a ghost in the wall? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or even what would you do if you had to babysit an illegal daycare of 20 children? (laughs) What would your first steps be? How would you deal with this? Yeah, they've got plenty of experience. What would you do when you inevitably get kicked out of the cinema? <laughs> what would you do if a babysitter, if a, if a, if a parent expected you to clean the house, manage the children, the children were calling you when you were like at home about problems they had at school instead of calling the parent? How would you deal with this scenario? What would you do if Karen Brewer was there? Just. <laughs> What yes, do you general. do when Karen Brewer gets kicked out of the playground for spreading rumours about an alien invasion? Part two of the exam is just questions on Karen, Karen Brewer. Brewer. Yeah. You yeah. can have extra paper if you need. <laughs> like, there are so many things they could have asked her that would be actually good questions in terms of how would you deal with this situation? Because mostly that's what it is. It's being mm-hmm. able to deal with situations on the fucking fly. So I think we've mm-hmm. learned a little bit about hiring and how to to have an actually useful job interview. Yeah. I mean, they are a bit scarred by the whole babysitter's agency experience. I mean, yes, but that was like 11 books ago. Yeah. Yeah, I think... And like, Mallory is not smoking. Yes, that's true. She's not going to invite her boyfriend round. She's not a sassy teen who hangs out at the mall. She's 11 and isn't allowed to have pierced ears. Yeah. 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 Uh... I I just feel like Christy feels her brand is potentially threatened, and <laughs> then fair. I think so. She gets very carried away, but yeah, it's quite like you, you feel very aggrieved reading this on Mallory's behalf, and really, Absolutely. you should feel aggrieved on Jesse's behalf. Yes. <laughs> like I mean, I I feel both. But also, these things so, are not you know. equivalent. No, they're not equivalent at all. No, no. I, 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 to be honest, on the whole, the whole racism thing was dealt with really clumsily, and I think that it was combining it with Mallory being having a hard time getting into the club was particularly clumsy. And then they tried to fix it by having this whole book devoted to this one family who's racist later, and that's even clumsier. That's many books later. That's like 50 books later. It's really far down. Oh, it's number 56. Awesome. Well, we look forward to that. I'm sure it won't be <laughs> uncomfortable at all. This will be fine. It's the perfect topic for three white women to, to uh, podcast about. <laughs> Again. We are obviously best positioned to discuss racism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good that Anna Martin, um, you know, put this in. And so she clearly at this point in the series is looking at making her, making the club more diverse. Yeah. And specifically at having a, an African-American um, member. I think she's looking at who's reading it and... Mm. How do they feel about it? And she was like, well, what if a little, a little, a, little, a 10, 11, 12 year old black girl reads this? Mm-hmm. She's nowhere there. How is she going to feel? And that strikes me. Anything mm-hmm. I've read by Anna Martin was coming from there. What, what's the little girl reading this feeling? And yeah. I 
really, yeah. really, really happy to believe she has the best of intentions with every single one of these books. I think she like, does. I was disappointed to read her, um, uh, you know, in the revised version where she talks at the end. She, mm-hmm. um, doesn't talk about Jesse at all. Yes. In this book. Yeah. And all she, she says that she, um, identifies really strongly with Mallory in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but her, her comment was very, it was very anodyne. Like there wasn't really a yeah. whole lot like, going on, uh, in that. It would have been more interesting to know what she was thinking about race when she wrote it. To be fair, this m- might have been a, just her going, I, I, I don't know what I can say here that's going to bring anything to this discussion. I'm a white lady. Mm. And I, yeah, I can, I can see why you might play it safe and do that. Mm. I probably would have been better to to bring Jesse into it as well, but I can see why you might not. Have. I'd be interested to see the ones which are actually where Jesse is the point of view character. Um, yeah, is that, Jesse was always a really good character to you know read. I like Jesse. Yeah, I liked, I liked her. her. She got mysteries to solve. <laughs> yes. Do we only take on lessons from this book overall? Like, don't be racist. I think. Yeah, I think it's the main one. Yeah. Uh, don't be fucking racist. Just don't. <laughs> yeah. Like, and if you catch yourself being racist, be like, oh dear, that was racist and stop doing it. Yep. That's, that's how you do the thing. And don't put the liver in the digestive system. Yeah. Like just allow <laughs> esophagus, stomach, intestines. If someone draws a digestive system diagram, they're the important bits. <laughs> just allow that. It's okay. That's really interesting. Oh my god, the cats have fucking come in here again. <laughs> like, uh, well, they're not left, disturbing like... us. I mean, are they disturbing you? Uh, the only problem is that I can be heard downstairs when oh, they open okay. my door. Sure. You need to block the door with something heavy again. I did. <laughs> it just you need wasn't to block heavy the door enough. with something heavier. Your cats are very strong. <laughs> good, I good advice, Eva. Thank you. Yes, get a cinder block up there. That's what I'm here for. I'm here for patronizing advice that you don't need. Thank you.